If you have your Bible here this morning, can you turn with me to John chapter 13? It's page number 900 in your pew Bibles. So Wesley and I, I said that we're sitting in a car, we're sitting in a room, and we're waiting for Olivia to finish her soccer practice. We're in the car, Olivia got to practice, we're going to go watch the uh, practically about an hour or two, the kids are getting the dispersed, the kids are going back to their, their parents, and the parents are getting out of the car. And I turn to Wesley and say, Wesley, I'm going to go get your sister Olivia. Do you want to stay here, or do you want to come with me? Wesley says, I'm going to stay here in the car. I said, all right, fine. Stay here, I'm going to go with you. Now, I'm leaving the body, I'm going to leave him by himself, so I just stepped a few feet away from the car. So I can still see him, I can still see the car. I'm not far, just a few feet away, maybe in the distance between with the bros here. I still see him, unless he's right there. And I go out where Olivia can see me, I wave to the coach, and he comes running to me. We turn around, we're talking, we walk back to the car, and I get to the car, and I open the door, and I look inside, and I see Wesley is gone. So I'm starting to panic if this has ever happened to you as a parent. And so I'm panicking and I look around and I realize not only is Wesley gone, but the whole car seat is gone. <laughs> I know there's no way Wesley unbuckled the car seat and carried it off with it. I'm thinking, 90 seconds, who unbuckles a car seat? And I, I don't know you, but it takes me like a whole afternoon to unbuckle these car seats. I think I've called out of work before, saying, John, I can't come in today. I have to move a car seat from one car to the other. And, and 90 seconds, it's gone. And I'm staring into the empty car, and I'm just thinking, I'm trying to process this. The car seat's gone, Wesley's gone. Now look, I notice, not only is Wesley gone, the car seat gone, but it's a lot cleaner in here than it was a few minutes ago. Uh, we had all those Sunday school papers on the floor, napkins, cookie crumbs, you know, french fries wedged in the seat cushions. And I'm looking, it's all gone. It's clean. Someone vacuumed it. And, and I'm thinking, how did this happen? I'm trying to process all this. And, and then I, I notice, not only is it cleaner, but it smells nicer in here. There's a new air freshener hanging from the rearview mirror that was not there 90 seconds ago. And so, you know, obviously there's one possible solution to this. Only one explanation. I'm staring in here trying to figure it out and Olivia comes up and taps me on the arm and says, Dad, so not now, can't you see Daddy's thinking? You know, and, 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 but Dad, what is it, Olivia, what? And she says, Dad, why are you getting in somebody else's car? <laughs> It's a great question. Why was I getting in somebody else's car? I look around. There's two identical vans parked right next to each other. Look the same, but the difference is one of them is clean in the inside, and the other one has Wesley right where I left him. Um, they look the same. I knew what my van looked like, but when I opened it up, something was missing. And I was thinking about those words. We know what it looks like, but something seems to be missing. And I thought, you know, that kind of can describe our vision here at Cedar Crest a little bit. We talk about being a serving church. We know what a serving church looks like. It says it right on the wall over there. We have it in our brochures. It's on the website. We say a serving church means everyone serving in the church. Everyone's serving in the world. But as we look around, maybe something's missing. Uh, Because... 
doesn't seem like everyone is serving. Maybe many of us haven't come to that point yet where we're compelled to get involved, where we feel we need to meet needs. Not everyone has found a ministry. Not everyone is serving. And many of us are serving, but if we're honest about it, if we think about it, something might be missing from our service. I don't know about you, but sometimes... uh, I feel like service is something that we have to do. Maybe it's more of a a chore, something that we feel we have to do rather than a joy, something we want to do. Sometimes it's more of a a burden that we have to put up with than it is a a passion that we're excited about. If we're honest about it, sometimes something is missing from our service. We know what it's supposed to look like, but something's missing. And I was thinking as we pray about it, as we read the scriptures, I think there's a solution to our problem. I think there's a switch that we can turn on in our minds that make us not only serve, but want to serve. And not only just want to serve, but serve with passion, serve with enthusiasm. We're excited about it. We want to get involved. We want to find needs. You can't stop me from serving. I'm going to meet needs. I believe there's something we can do. I believe there is a secret ingredient to service. And I want to look at it today, see if we can find it together as we look at John chapter 13. Let's pray before we do that. Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth and the life that we can find in it. And we ask for your help right now as we we study together, as we look over uh, this portion of scripture. Lord, we ask that your spirit would be our teacher today. Your spirit would guide us. And Lord, that you would change us as a result of it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look here. We we see, uh, we'll start in verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We'll take a break here. We'll show that John's kind of just setting the stage here and he's explaining what's going on. He's saying that Jesus knows what's about to happen to him. This is why Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. Here it is. His life has led up to this moment here and he knows in just a few hours he's going to be betrayed by Judas. He's going to be arrested and he's going to suffer an agonizing death on the cross for our sins. He knows, here it is. This is the moment. The time has come. And what is he doing at this moment? Here he is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. So he's celebrating the Passover meal. This is what we call the Last Supper. And here he is. He knows his time has come. Look down at verse 3. We'll see what happens next. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the question that comes to my mind is, why didn't one of the disciples do this? They knew they had dirty feet. They knew they're wearing sandals. They knew that their feet get dirty. And they didn't have tables like we did. They're not sitting at a high table. Most likely, they had a floor table. Most likely, they're reclining on floor pillows. You want to have clean feet. You want the people around you to have clean feet. Why didn't one of the disciples get up and do it? Well, obviously, uh, washing someone's feet is a pretty undignified thing. It's a gross thing. Disciples wouldn't want to do it. But I think there might have been something else going on here that we don't see in John's Gospel. See, Luke gives us a little bit more background information about the conversation at the meal. If you looked in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, Luke tells us that the disciples are discussing, and there's a a discussion and an argument breaks out over the meal, uh, which sounds like a holiday meal at many of our homes, maybe. Um, So here they are, and they're discussing, and the argument breaks out over who is the greatest. They began to discuss who's the greatest. 
It's kind of interesting. Here they are in the, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And rather than worshiping Him and celebrating Him, rather than be concerned with the dirty feet of the people around them, what's their focus on? It's on self. It's on me. It's what about my needs? What about, am I going to get out of this? What about me? Uh, kind of interesting. And thinking it's a good thing that disciples like Jesus aren't like that today, right? Um, how often do we gather here together in the presence of God and rather than our focus be on the Lord and worshiping Him and celebrating Jesus, rather than be concerned with the needs of the people around us, we think about, what about my needs? What, what's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? We see that's kind of what's happening with the disciples here. They're focused on self, me. How great am I going to be? What about me? I'm better than him. I'm more important than him. Maybe not him, but more important than him for sure. And that's the discussion. We don't know exactly when Jesus got down and began to wash feet, but I think it may have been at this moment. As this discussion is going on, who's greater, who's more important, we see what Jesus does next. He gets down and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And as we look at John's description here, uh, Pastor Scott mentioned in his prayer, he was qu- quoting Philippians chapter 2. And I see that here. We see this beautiful picture of the gospel message and how John lays out what Jesus had done here. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in glory in heaven. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's the almighty creator, the sovereign God. Here he is in heaven. But Paul tells us in Philippians that Jesus didn't count that. He didn't grasp onto that. He didn't hold on to that. What did he do? He laid it aside. The word Paul uses is he emptied himself. He put it aside. He lays aside the outward manifestation of his full glory. He lays aside many of the rights and privileges that come along with being God. And he puts it aside. And in its place, what does he do? He takes on the form of a servant. He becomes a human being. He puts on humanity. And he comes to earth to suffer and die. Becomes obedient to the point of death. Death on a cross. So that I can be washed from my sin. So that you can be washed from your sin. And we see that picture here, where here's Jesus Christ. He is the rabbi. He's the master. He's laying, reclining at the place of honor at the table. But he doesn't hold on to that. He doesn't say, wash my feet. He doesn't say, take care of my needs. What does he do? He gets up. He rises from the meal. And he takes off his outer garments. He says he lays them aside. Takes off his rabbi clothes, his clothes of honor. And in his place, what does he put on? Puts on some rags. Puts on an apron. Puts on a towel, picks up a a water bucket, a basin, and begins to get down and wash the disciples' feet. Begins to wash the filth, the grime, the dirt off of his disciples. The ones who just moments ago were probably arguing about how important they were, about their needs, about what they're getting out of all this. And Jesus begins to wash their feet. We'll look down at verse 12 and it says this in verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments... And resumed his place. He said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Here's the command for service. Jesus tells him, he says, this is what a disciple of Jesus looks like. This is what it looks like. We serve. We meet needs. We find needs. We meet those needs. If we have to humble ourselves, we humble ourselves to meet needs. That's what a disciple of Jesus does. 
I don't think he's literally telling us we need to go around and wash one another's feet. But maybe we do. Maybe we do need to wash feet. Maybe it's changing diapers in the nursery. Maybe it's taking out the garbage at home. Maybe it's handing out bulletins or teaching a Sunday school class. We meet needs because that's what disciples of Jesus do. We serve and we meet needs. Verse 15, Jesus says, For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So we see here's the example. And Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like. Which brings us right back to where we started. We know what it looks like. We know what it looks like, but something is missing. We know what service looks like. And Jesus says, this is what it looks like. But I think something is still missing. Something's missing inside of me because, you see, I still want my needs taken care of. I still want what's best for me. I want someone to wash my feet. I want to know where I stand in all this. I'm still thinking about self and me. If I just get down and wash feet... Probably not going to do it, but if I did, if I do serve, it's because I feel like I have to and I'm still going to be angry about it. I'm going to be miserable about it. I'm going to complain about it because I don't want to do it. I want my needs met. Something still needs to change. I think there's an internal change that needs to take place and Jesus knows that and so he doesn't stop here. He continues on and he gives his disciples another command. And this command changes everything. This command takes the focus off of my needs and puts the, command, it puts the focus on your needs. The command that Jesus gives next isn't focusing on just external things, getting down and washing feet or meeting needs or helping people. It focuses on the internal, changing my outlook and my perspective. This next command that Jesus gives, I think, is what oftentimes we are missing when it comes to service. But before Jesus gets to that, that, that uh, need, before he gets to that command, and addresses what we're missing, uh, he starts to, to focus on the idea of the, dece- the, the betrayer in the room. Judas is, is still in the room and, and the disciples are kind of distracted by this. Who, who's going to betray Jesus? Is it me? Is it you? Who's it going to be? And We have John here. He's reclining next to Jesus and Peter leans over to John and says, ask him, who is it? Who's going to be the one to deceive him? And so Jesus tries to make it clear here and he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this bread here. I'm going to dip the bread and the person I give it to is going to be the one to betray me. Everyone got it? So Jesus takes the bread and he dips the bread, hands it to Judas and says in verse 27, what you're going to do, go and do quickly. Pretty obvious here who the betrayer is, right? But the scriptures tell us that the disciples completely missed it. They had no idea. They start wondering, why did Jesus give Judas the bread? Where where is he going? Is he going out to go shopping? They actually thought he's going to pick up more food for the meal. Others thought, Judas, he's such a great guy. He's probably going out to give to the poor. That's probably where he's going. But we know what Judas goes off to do. Now that Judas is out of the room, Jesus is alone with the eleven, and he gives them one more command. And he says this to them in verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, I believe that's what we're often missing in our service. Maybe we're not serving. Maybe we're not compelled to serve. Or maybe we are serving just because we feel we need to. But love is the key ingredient to service. Once we put on that love, that choice, that decision, that it's not about my needs, what I'm getting out of it, what I want, I put the focus on you. 
you? What do you need? What's the very best for you? What do you need? That's what love is. And that's the command that Jesus gives to his disciples. We see throughout the scripture this connection between love and service. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this idea of love the Lord your God and serve him alone. As we love God, we begin to serve God. Jesus said it um, no man can have two masters. No man can serve two masters because you'll love the one and hate the other. The idea is the one that you serve is the one that you love. As you love, love leads to service. As I desire the very best for you, it's going to lead to service. Love leads to service. And Galatians 5.13 tells us, through love, serve one another. As we love, we begin to serve. As I take the focus off myself and put it on your needs, I begin to serve. Um, about a week and a half ago, uh, we had a faucet at our house in the kitchen begin to get loose. So I figured I will take care of this. Um, I can fix a simple faucet. Um, fast forward 12 hours later, I'm in the basement in our house up to my ankles in water. Um, my hand is bleeding. I don't know if I cut myself on a pipe or got hit by the shutoff nozzle as it blew off of the pipe and hit me, but I'm bleeding. I'm soaking wet. Water is spraying all over the place out of the pipe. Uh, Kathy had left the house hours ago. She saw me go downstairs with tools. She grabbed the two youngest kids, left the house. <laughs> she says she had a doctor's appointment. I don't know. But, um, so here I am in, in my basement and, and water's coming out and I, I make two calls. My first call was to, to John King to tell him I'm going to be late for staff meeting. Uh, my second call was to the water department that they need to send over somebody immediately to shut off the water to the house. This is the guy's third time to come to our house today from the water department. He had to come once to shut off the water so I could fix the pipe. He had to come back to turn the water on because I thought I fixed it. And then he had to come back now a third time because apparently I didn't fix it. Um, so water all over the place. I'm spraying. I see his truck pull up and I run outside and I'm like, I'm blood's like dripping. I'm leaving a trail of blood. Uh, you know, I, I'm soaking wet. You know, I, you know, I was going to say my hair, but yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm all wet. My beard was all wet. And uh, so I get there and I see him and he says, are, are you okay? And because of my pride, he's like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm great. How are you? You know, I'm good. Um, and he says, okay, just, you know, just wanted to make sure everything's okay. And I said, yeah, I think I'm, I'm done working on this for today. I'm going to call a plumber now. I give up. Uh, I give up. Uh, there's a guy who goes to my church, and I'll give him a call and see if he's here before Christmas, and we'll see um, if we can get that taken care of. And so he says, oh, you, you go to church. You go to church. You're a Christian. I said, yeah, I do. He says, where do you go to church? I said, I go to Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. He goes, no way. You go to Cedar Crest? He says, do you know Illy Jam? <laughs> and I said, so it depends. Do you like Illy Jam? No, I didn't say that. Um, I, I said, yeah, I know Illy Jam. For those of you who don't know, Ben Walters is Illy Jam. And, and, and I said, yeah, I know him. Yeah, how do you know him? He goes, well, I was at his show in Phillipsburg the other week, and I got to meet him. He's a cool guy. He was telling me he goes to Cedar Crest. That's so cool. And he starts telling me about how he's a Christian. He goes to a, a church in the area. He's telling me about his ministry. I'm talking about my ministry. And so we're going, he goes, you know what this means now? So what does that mean? He goes, we're brothers in Christ. We're disciples. You know, I can't leave your house until your problem is taken care of. Can I come in and take a look? I said, but you work for the water department. You're not allowed to come in, right? He goes, well, I'm on break now. Let's say I'm on break. <laughs> 
I'm going to come in because I'm a follower of Jesus and this is what I need to do. And so he comes in, he takes a look, he says, okay, here's the problem. Let me cut this off. He brings a saw and brings tools in, cuts everything down, puts, you know, looks at it all and says, okay, here's what you need. He says, you need to go to Home Depot and pick up this. And he tells me exactly what I need to get. He says, it's, you know, you'll put it together and it'll be fine. You're all set. I say, oh, thank you. And, and, you know, I start to, you know, say goodbye to him and he's like, hold on, you know what? I'm going to take my lunch break. Uh, how about I park in front of your house? You go to Home Depot now, and when you get back, I'll be here waiting for you, and I'll put it together for you. I'm like, okay. So, you know, I quickly grab his, my hands are all bloody. I have, like, cement all over me, so I had to, you know, get over to the store, and I come back as quickly as I can, and there I go. I see his car is parked out in front of my house. There he is. He comes in, puts it all together, puts it together, fastens it up, seals it up. He says, well, before I do this, let me check and make sure. So he goes outside, turns the water on. He says, you mind if I come in and just check, make sure there's no leaks or anything? I'm sure. And comes in, checks it, makes sure everything is good. He says, you know, can you run around the house and just flush to and turn on faucets, make sure the water pressure is good. I said, sure. I do all this. And he says, okay, you're all set, brother. God bless. And he goes to leave. I'm thinking, That's, you know, how cool is our God? Um, I, I, here I am, this bumbling guy. I break this stuff. And my heavenly father, my good shepherd, knows exactly what I need. He, I don't know how many Christians work for the water department, but God sent one to my house who could solve that problem. God is good. And then we have this guy here. He didn't need to do this. In fact, he probably shouldn't have done that. But I couldn't stop him from serving. He wanted to do it because he genuinely desired the best for me. And I was thinking, that's what love is. When we take the focus off ourselves. He wasn't thinking about his lunch break. He wasn't thinking about his time. His focus was, how can I meet the needs of others? And that love, that love leads to service. I was thinking, what if we adopted that attitude here at Cedar Crest? If we walked in here on Sunday morning and thought, it's not about me and my Sunday school class or changing the service times and how that affects me or, or are they going to play music today that's going to speak to me? Or the, Is the guy going to preach and is it going to speak to me? Thinking about ourselves. What if we came in and said, how can I meet needs today? Who's hurting that I can help? Who needs to be blessed that I can help? Who's new that I can greet? Who needs a hug? Who needs encouragement? Who needs someone to teach? Who needs a diaper change? How can I bless? How can I help? How can I meet needs? If we came in and did that every Sunday, that's what a serving church looks like. And I believe love is the key ingredient to a serving church. As we love one another, love leads to service. In verse 6, as Jesus comes to Peter to wash Peter's feet, uh, Peter says, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. You don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. You have no part with me. You have no fellowship with me. I was thinking about that, and I know there's some of us here today that have never been washed by Jesus. Maybe we've never come to that point where you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been washed by Him. Uh, you've never put your faith in Him for the forgiveness of sins. You don't know that you could stand righteous before a holy God because you've never been washed by Jesus. If that's the case today, uh, we have some prayers. Who are our prayers today? Who are our prayers today? I'll be a prayer today. We have prayers here today. If, if you want to learn more about that, what it means to be washed by Jesus, how you can put your faith in Him. If you want to know more about uh, ministry and how you can get involved today, stop by the ministry fair afterwards. 